Welcome to the Wake the Giant broadcast. I'm your host, Alan Garrett. Well, that was loud. Yeah. I'm Chris Vanskoy. And we are going to be talking today about how to study the Bible, tips and tricks and things to make your Bible study go better. So how, how to get the most out of your Bible study? You're a little hot in my headset, by the way. I'm a little hot in your headset. Yes. I don't know how to come down in your headset. Okay. Maybe like that. Is that better? Uh, a little bit. Okay. Still pretty hot, but... Because I'm about the same in mine. Yeah. It is what it is. I'll okay. deal with it. So, uh, mm. some of you guys may be joining us. This is my first time going live on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel, but this is... I'm trying something new, so I often go live on Facebook. And now we're going to go live on YouTube. We're going to try it out, <clears throat> see if I get more comments, more views, that kind of stuff. So um, this is the Wake the Giant broadcast. Uh, basically, Wake the Giant broadcast has to do with anything that will edify, build up, encourage, and uh, help the church become who she's supposed to be. So some of it's going to be involved with uh, encouragement, equipping, training, all those different kinds of things. We cover a variety of, of uh, podcast uh, topics. Chris here is with a ministry called Three Nails Ministry. Chris, do you want to tell them a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm Chris Vanskoy. I'm just kind of um, a minister wherever. Um, I do do Three Nails Ministry. I do a lot of videos, a lot of uh, internet stuff uh, with a wide variety of people. I help because during the day, I'm an infrastructure engineer. So uh, <clears throat> when ministries need technical help, I try to use my gifts to help them and a lot of times that allows for relationships to have some great discussions. Okay, so um, the four main areas we're going to uh, cover are what versions of the Bible are best, biblical interpretation principles, four study Bible study tools, and tips on getting the most out of the Bible. So um, first thing we're going to talk about is, is some things that you want to keep in mind when you're studying the Bible. <clears throat> Um, the first one is you want to ask, uh, there are 66 books in the Bible. So you want to, when you're reading it, you kind of want to take, keep in mind what kind of literature it is. So there are different types of what they call genre or different types of, of, of literature in the Bible. First one would be gospels. Most people are familiar with, with gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they kind of tell who Jesus was. Their, the purpose of them is to talk about the good news of Jesus. Um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called synoptic gospels. The, the material in those are pretty similar. Um, and John uh, uses some different sources. It's a little bit different, but the same kind of thing. Um, then within the Bible, within the gospels, Jesus uh, taught in something called parables. So um, parables, what would you say a parable is, Chris? Um, I mean, I like your definition on there. It's a short story to make a, a point. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a word picture, you know, something that... You know, a lot of times Jesus talked like in mm -hmm. farming terms or agricultural terms that would have have an, had an impact on, mm -hmm. on that culture and society then. It would have immediately brought something to their mind. Mm -hmm. So that's a parable. Yeah, it, uh, more people were uh, illiterate uh, <clears throat> during that time than our time. So often Jesus would teach in stories because that's how they remembered things. That's, that's what they were used to. So short stories to make a point. Some people think of the parable of the sower. So it's a short story to make a point. And I think there are even some parables in some of the other books of the Bible, too, things that could be considered parables. And then you have the epistles. 
So uh, the epistles are letters. That's what that, the word epistle means. It means letters. So you have the, the ones that are letters. Um, they are letters that uh, Paul wrote to the different churches he was involved in, that kind of thing. So it's important to read those like letters because they're letters. Then you have the law. Um, that's the first five books of the Bible are the Pentateuch. Pentateuch. Yep. Um, then you have some history books, kind of Joshua through Esther, Chronicles and, and Kings talk about what happened with Saul and David and some of those kinds of things. Then you have uh, the prophets. And there's major and minor prophets, and those are uh, basically uh, prophetic messages to Israel. Uh, then you have the Psalms. And the Psalms are, are mostly worship. They're songs. Psalm means song. So um, they're, they're things that were sung uh, yeah. in Israel. And then you have wisdom literature. That would be Job, Proverbs, Song of Solomon. So sometimes when you're reading the Bible, you need to keep in <clears throat> mind kind of the, the type of literature that's involved, and that will help you interpret it. Um, important qu uh, question to ask. Some, some important questions to ask. Um, and remember, uh, if you get a good study Bible, and we're going to talk about some resources coming up in a little bit. So if you get a good study Bible, a good study Bible will answer many of these questions. It'll tell you what type of literature it is, it'll, and it'll answer some of these questions. But these are good questions to ask. Um, so uh, who is the intended audience? So when you ask who is the intended audience, uh, sometimes <laughs> Paul is uh, writing a particular church, and the church might be a persecuted church. Um, uh, in the Old Testament, some of the books were written to uh, the, the divided kingdom in Israel. Some weren't. Um, so you, you kind of have to ask who was it written to? What was the situation like? I think a lot of times people hear that and they don't they don't think why would that matter mm -hmm. you know why would that matter now who the intended audience was of that book but there that helps better understand the reason for saying things you know in the mm -hmm. point and a lot of times yeah um a lot of a, a, a lot of what people do now is just read the bible and and take it and say that meant mm -hmm. this but everything in there there was a reason it was said there was a reason it was written and mm -hmm. so knowing who the audience was who they were were speaking to makes a huge deal. It makes mm -hmm. a huge difference in, in, in what the, how, how to um, apply meaning from those words. Um, for instance, when you talk about the <clears throat> Gospels, Matthew was largely written to a Jewish audience, yep. whereas John uh, was written more to a, uh, a Greek audience. Yep. So it, it influences the way he says things, the content, why he says certain things. Um, and so, yeah. Or like, you know, of course, big topic today, politics, but a lot of the Old Testament stuff, when they were speaking, they were speaking to kings. So that's being written mm -hmm. to people in authority. You know, so there's different, there's that application mm -hmm. pretty much for everything, but it does, it does matter to mm -hmm. know who they were writing to and who they were speaking to, to how that applies to our lives today. Mm -hmm. Luke and Acts were originally uh, circulated <clears throat> as a, a two-volume thing, uh, where Luke was written and uh, where Luke ends, Acts begins. And it says 
uh, I think the most excellent Theophilus is that who yeah. was yeah yep you and, know go ahead. well even a line like like that line you make a great point mm-hmm. because you were talking about epistles mm-hmm. all all of these one thing we probably tend to forget is there wasn't verse markers in there mm-hmm. there yep. wasn't you know there wasn't chapters it was it was one th- thought so sometimes it's hard um, hard to remember that did it, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, I think with the epistles, it's easier. Like I'm reading Galatians right now. So you get six chapters. It's easy to read the whole thing to get the whole flow mm-hmm. and then go back and yeah. remember that. But when you're reading a longer book or letter, there's a whole thought through there, a process that mm-hmm. it's trying to make in that. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so uh, um, they were circulated together and it was written to a guy named Theophilus. Many people think that it was written uh to uh, as a defense for Paul when he went to Rome as a defense to Christianity. So it's it's more than just a history of Christianity uh, from the so it was uh, Luke was trying to show that it was a legitimate religion and 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 show the history of it. So anyway, so that that's uh, uh, attendance uh, who uh, attended audience who was the author who wrote it. Sometimes that's important. Um, you got some. Why well, I I mean I think it's a lot it's from a from a study point there's a couple of reasons it's important right because um we, you're always challenged on in the world mm-hmm. on who wrote the Bible and that these are all written by different people how does it flow so well with that mm-hmm. in there so when you're thinking about these things you know, you know thinking about how the Holy Spirit brings us the author. You know, some of the epistles mm-hmm. were written, most of them were written by Paul, but some by Peter, some by John, some by non-educated men, you know, in, in there. And so how that goes, and sometimes there's questions in, um, you know, like you, you get to a point where it's documenting something. So to understand that it wasn't the guy speaking that was mm-hmm. writing it, it was someone watching or someone, you know, Right, you know, I think of Jeremiah. You know, he didn't write all that. There was, um, I forget his assistant. Like they called him like his mm-hmm. assistant, but there was a guy there writing that document, watching what he said. Sometimes there, uh, <clears throat> there were more than one person that were writing. Yeah. Like uh, Paul will say, Paul and Timothy and yeah. somebody else writing to this church. So um, there may be things that they added. And wrote in, wrote to the text as far as content they could, that they contributed. Um, so sometimes you you get that. Uh, there's one book, uh, Hebrews, that people even still talk about. They debate who wrote it. A lot of people attribute it to Paul. Personally, uh, I I think Paul nor- normally signs his letters, and this one wasn't signed. It what he didn't say Paul. It doesn't say that at the beginning. So I would think personally, I think it's somebody else. I think my my best hunch is Apollos. He's yeah. another common one people pick for that one. I, I was going to say, I think there's only really a, a few books in, in the Bible that there's typically, I mean, Hebrews is the number one where there's question mm-hmm. of authorship because it wasn't clear. I think sometimes when you get to lot, most people think it was Moses, but there is some, mm-hmm. the, you know, that's a great thing about the Bible. The deeper you want to study in there, the deeper you can get into mm-hmm. some of this stuff. And if you find it interesting, there's plenty of, of literature in, in books out there and teachings and in a lot to learn about who wrote what. Another important question to ask is, is the context. Okay. What context was the book written in? What con, what's the context of the verse? 
What's the context of the culture? All those things uh, are important to really know to, to do well. I think uh, things to take into consideration on context. A lot of times it seems, it seems to me and maybe, maybe I'm wrong and you can, you can tell me what you think, but there's like two schools of thought. There's like people that everything's contextual, you know, it's always interpreted through that or they, they avoid it mm-hmm. in, in that, in kind of, I think it's a mix of both mm-hmm. because at sometimes, and I think that comes back then to what type of writing it was, mm-hmm. the type of author, it, all those things play part into it. Right. Yeah. And the whole point of it. And, and so I think context plays a, a crucial part in everything, but also the whole in the, in some of it's literal, some of it wasn't meant mm-hmm. that way, you know? And, and, and we'll, we'll talk about literal taking things literally uh, in translations versus trying to translate what the meaning says and that's a very important uh yeah thing I, to think about i had a i had um, a study one time and they were asking something mm-hmm. and i said well i'd really want to look at what the context was of the time when this mm-hmm. was being said in the the language you know the word mm-hmm. because that's I, i'm sure you have it in here but mm-hmm. you know it wasn't written in english and so looking at the mm-hmm. context to how how i would interpret that word mm-hmm. and do i agree with the interpreters and how they interpreted sometimes changes the whole meaning of mm-hmm. the scripture that you're reading and how the Lord ministers to you. So, and they said, well, you'd have to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. And I said, exactly. Yeah. I, I wrote a book on women in ministry called unsilenced, giving a voice to women silenced by ignorance and um, uh, culture and context are huge mm-hmm. when you're interpreting some of the more difficult topics like that and looking what scripture says. For instance, there's a scripture that says, I don't allow a woman to speak or exercise authority over a man. So you have to look at that and go, what? Because uh, if you take that the way it's written, women are not, not allowed to, to talk. They're supposed to remain silent in church. And so if they're not allowed to talk, then Paul's contradicting himself because he tells them to, to uh, engage in some of the spiritual gifts which are vocal. <clears throat> But even even in mm-hmm. that sense, like that, and this is where you get into the literal and contextual thing. While mm-hmm. this is while studied, because sometimes uh, there, there's people who've literally built mm-hmm. whole doctrines off of little interpretations small of verses, yep. of small verses like that. And like, I mean, the reason Alan wrote that book is mm-hmm. because this is something that is mm-hmm. debated in the church. But if all all I would say is if you're going to build doctrines and mm-hmm. stands on literal things, then you have to interpret it all that way, yeah. which then puts you in a problem in a lot of ways typically. So you try, the best thing is to try to be consistent in how you study and interpret mm-hmm. the word. Yep. Um, and we'll, uh, we're going to get into a couple passages that, that uh, when we look at uh, how translations work. Yeah. So um, when we do that, you'll, you'll, you'll get to see, uh, a lot of people say, I want a literal translation. And um, we'll, we'll talk about what, what's the advantages of, of a literal translation and what's the advantages of one that, that tries to convey the meaning. And there's, there's advantages to both. Yes. Um, okay. And then um, also, uh, let me see. You have historical context. Uh, yeah. T- uh, historical context is important. Um, so uh, sometimes, like on the topic of women in, women in ministry, it's important the historical context is important because uh, Paul's writing to a, uh, a very patristic 
patristic culture. So, I mean, it's important to look at the context and when you interpret things. So anyway. Um, There's also, like along the history line, just in some of that mm -hmm. when that comes up, I always like to make this point in that. Mm -hmm. God chose chose that time to, to use. You know what I mean? He didn't send Christ now. He sent them him then. The scriptures are from that time. And, and so there is some some weight to that in the mm -hmm. historical, but how we apply it um, matters in that. And mm -hmm. so you can't just throw out the historical either in the, in the settings there, mm -hmm. you know, so um, I'm sure we'll talk about that more. Um, uh, also, um, what does church tradition say? That's, that's another thing that's important when you're interpreting a passage, when you're trying to figure out what something means, because you don't want to go generally too far from church tradition. What, I mean, because we've had 2,000 years of people looking at that passage. So what did some of the church fathers say about it? What, is, what did the different uh, branches of the church say about it? That's an important question to ask also. Um, so now we're going to get to some interpretation principles. And this is probably the most, in, it, it's, it's important. Um, so when you're interpreting, this is something to keep in mind. First, let, uh, let Scripture interpret Scripture. That's, that's a Bible study principle. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get to mm -hmm. about the idea of, um, of it, you know, that it was all written. It wasn't broken up into sections like we mm -hmm. get. It's, I mean, honestly, if you can find a Bible without sections, sometimes it's really good to read because I don't know, like when mm -hmm. I look and I see that section, it affects my mind. How you interpret things. Yeah. And so, um, like, I don't read a Bible with study notes anymore. You know, because mm -hmm. I want to read it and I'll not have that influence me as much um, mm -hmm. until I decide it's time to study. So, yeah, Paul is probably not going to say something that is radically different from Jesus. So when you interpret things, there's, there should be some kind of a continuity in the yeah. way things are interpreted. Not always, but, but most of the time. So that uh, let's let scripture interpret scripture. Uh, my second one: don't build a major doctrine on an obscure verse. The cults are 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 noted for this. They'll 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 pull out some obscure verse and build a huge doctrine doctrine on it. If it's not that clear, then we probably shouldn't be that clear either until until we reach an understanding on that. So um, keep the main things main. And the obscure things a little more obscure. Yeah, I'd I'd even add on it. Like typically, mm -hmm. you're not going to make a doctrine off of one verse, mm -hmm. you know. And you're not. I was. It was funny because I was thinking on the way over here. Listening, to the, I was listening to the radio, and so much of it was talking about certain things, arguments off of one verse. And I'm like, well, where does it fit in the whole? Yeah. Where you know, because the arguments and the things that divide us are usually not the whole. It's that one thing out of context or that one, one verse, you know, that people made a lot out of, and there's a hole there that has to, has to fit. Yeah. So in, uh, in knowing, kind of knowing the context when you interpret the Bible, generally the text shouldn't say something different to you than what was said to the original audience. Makes sense. So the author is writing to a particular audience, trying to convey a particular meaning and it, it shouldn't say something different to you 
than what it said to them. So you're, you're generally, when you're reading the Bible, you're trying to understand what Paul was saying, who was he writing to, what did he mean? In the, yeah, I would say a lot of times that takes a little effort, mm -hmm. you know, and there's, I'm sure it's great to read in this reading and mm -hmm. let it, but it's to think about all these things that we're speaking about in there mm -hmm. does take a little, a little time, a little discipline to do in, um, you'll be rewarded for it for sure. Yeah. Next point, context is king. Um, that's a good uh, rule to go by. Uh, I, I've heard uh, people say say this quote. I've seen it going around the internet. I can do all things through Christ uh, through a verse that's taken out of context. Because <laughs> sometimes people pull, uh, you know, they'll pull that verse and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and then they'll they'll apply it to something that Jesus would never do or whatever. <laughs> right. So uh, sometimes. Uh, it's important to take a ver verse in context. What do the verses around it say? What it, uh, so what's the flow uh, of, the, of the book? Yeah. You know, yeah. when you're saying that, I, I can hear my literalist friends groaning right now. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that some of those are, aren't meant to be taken literally. Yes. You know, the context tells you what's to be mm -hmm. taken literally. You, you see what I mean? It goes together. Mm -hmm. I just... I just if I, if, I mean, one thing I would emphasize the whole time if I out of this program would be it's both. Mm -hmm. It's both because yeah. there are some things that are very literal, but, there are, but you have to understand the context around it, the, how that literal application applies. Yeah. Because like Alan said, you know, then you get no women are ever allowed in, in, in to minister or be leaders. Yeah, and you, it would, he would contradict himself, right? You know, and mm -hmm. so so there's a context you have to fit, you know you have to you have to flow with that and and understand that, yep. and, and take that study. And if you want to, if you really want to dive deeply into that one, get my book. <laughs> I another one. I don't want to go into it now. Another one, maybe less less um, that'll less upset people. <laughs> I remember a guy was about uh, mm -hmm. communion wine. Yeah, is it literal wine or not? In mm -hmm. in trying to, and I was again context and understanding the time and the culture and everything yeah. you know plays a huge part in all those discussions but don't make your uh don't make a mountain out of that um this this is another one i think is important is do word studies to see how the word is actually used because a lot of times i will see people uh throw a, a definition out there and they'll they will read the text and they'll go to their strong's concordance or whatever and they'll look at our, our Thayer's Greek dictionary, and they will try to pick out the the meaning that they that they like the best that suits their theology and their opinion. Not not even uh, intentionally. And sometimes uh, you can get a little bit off doing that. You kind of have to even the even the dictionaries. I have found words and things in in the dictionaries, the Greek dictionaries that we all use that are are not accurate. Yeah, if yeah. you, it, I mean, for me, word studies is my favorite, probably mm -hmm. my favorite way to study. Yep. In 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 that, you have to remember those, like like what Alan's saying, mm -hmm. those guys who wrote those dictionaries, they had their biases as well. They mm -hmm. had their their doctrine, their fundamentals in there. Um, I a great word I studied one time was um, ages. And uh, yeah, you, you can get in all sorts of stuff with there, and, and what you'll find is very few people are 
what I would call intellectually honest about the interpretation of that word because mm-hmm. it's, it's a hard one. And if you're honest about it, it causes more questions. And I don't have the answer for it. But, you know, remember that when you're reading that, you know, like I mm-hmm. look at a lot of places where the word's used and a lot of different things in the word because mm-hmm. there's differences. Um, for instance, take the word uh, grace. Yeah. Uh, we often misunderstand what grace really means. What are some of the definitions? Christ's riches at... Uh-huh. Uh, Christ's riches are, 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 are uh, God's riches at Christ's expense, right? People yeah. say that one. Um, unmerited favor. Yeah, undeserved merit. Yeah. Unders- undeserved merit. Um, and so if you take those definitions and you put them into where the word grace occurs, you, it doesn't always work. Just telling you. Those definitions don't always work in every word where the word charis fits in the Bible. So you kind of have to look at how, how's it being used? What's, what's it saying? For instance, Jesus grew in, in, uh, grace and favor. There's the passage where he was at the, at the temple right around there. Um, the way grace is used there, it can't be unmerited favor because Jesus's favor was merited. Right. So the, um, uh, and if you look at, look at the etymology of the word, it has very much to do with, uh, with favor, I, I like favor as almost a better definition, but favor in in the sense of uh, empowering presence, like the favor of God, the enablement of God to do something. And if you look at it more in that context, it, it fits a lot more in a lot of places in the Bible. Yeah, I think, um, well, in the words, there's a lot. I did a one time I decided to look up the word, um, you know, uh, it mm-hmm. was John eight where Jesus wept. Mm-hmm. I said the shortest verse in the Bible, there can't be much there mm. three months later, yeah. you know, because the word for wept was, mm. it was the only place it was used in the entire yeah. Bible. Yeah. So then you start looking at breakdown and you can get into a lot of like, mm-hmm. how was that word used in court? You read a lot there and it, and it changes the way you read the verse. So it's it's really good to dig into those words in the meaning, and like Alan said, then w- read how we ch- what you know the different meanings in the sentence in English, mm-hmm. and you go it doesn't sound right in any of those. Yeah. So I'm not saying that those definitions are all wrong, those traditional definitions of grace, but you kind of have to look at the context and does that definition fit that particular context? I think I think yeah. the great part of that is the Lord will minister to you something mm. usually pretty awesome when you're in that. Yep. Even Paul uses the word uh, 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 in one of the introductions to his, his uh, one of his letters. He says, I, I, I caress you, I grace you. And you, he's not saying, I unmerited favor you. And I think that they, uh, they actually translate it there, thank, I thank you, or, or something like that. I, I, I'd have to go back and look at it, but just... Just so you know, you got to look at look look at the context of a verse before you just apply some definition that you like. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Um, so do word study to see how the word is used. Um, do not just use a dictionary and pick your favorite definition as the meaning of the text. Next point: be cautious of hidden knowledge, new beliefs, new interpretations of scripture. And I, I, that I, I'm right there. I'm thinking of something. That, that has come out recently called the courts of heaven teaching. And it, um, I'm sure that there's some good things in the book. I, I bought it cause I wanted to read through it, but um, uh, they teach a whole method 
of approaching getting your prayers answered that is different from the way uh, Jesus and the New Testament church prayed. Make sense? So I don't think it's a healthy teaching uh, because I think it differs too far from, I mean, anything, anytime there's something new, okay, there's a new way of doing something that's different than, and it claims to have more fruit than how Jesus and the apostles prayed, I, 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 would, I, would, be, I would be cautious of it. Yeah. New yeah. things, it's yeah, along a lot. Um, uh, read, here's, a, here's something that's, that's helpful. Um, read the New Testament epistles like letters. Be uh, cautious of verse hopping. So it, when you're interpreting something, it's, context is so important. So if you want to get good at interpreting the Bible, read uh, like 1 Corinthians like it's a letter. And then read 2 Corinthians. And so does that make sense? So you you uh, read it like a letter, read it how it was intended, get to know that book, own that book. You know, read it, uh, get the full context of it um, as opposed to just, okay, I, I need something for this, let's apply this first, let's apply this first, let's apply this first. If you only do verses, then you're going to be off a little bit sometimes, you know, in, in your interpretation of, of, of scriptures. So, yep. Avoid verse hopping. Make sure you you get a, a broader context for things. The context come, is coming up a lot, huh? Yeah. Um, get to know uh, this is a uh, uh, get to know one book at a time. Okay, don't don't bite off more than you can than you can chew. So really dive in uh, deep and get. I would encourage you to do one book at a time. This is the end of part one of how to study your Bible. Bible study tips and suggestions with Alan Garrett. And Chris Vanskoy, this has been the Wake the Giant broadcast. Please like and share on social media. Continue on to part two, the next podcast.
further in their faith by knowing your word. Amen. This has been the Wake the Giant broadcast. I'm your host, Alan Garrett, and I've been here with Chris, Chris Van Scoy. Uh, Three Nails Ministry, you can find him. Where can they find you these days, Chris? YouTube, Run, Rumble, MeWe, Gab, you, Parlor. Okay. All those. Oh, no he's, more Facebook. He's, he's trying to stay off Facebook. The, yeah. So, I, And I get that, but I'm not off there yet. So. Instagram. So technically Instagram. Kind of Facebook. But All right, there you go. There. All right, thank you very much, and we will see you all. Check out my other videos. have lots of them. Chris, I think, has a YouTube channel, too, called Three Nails. Yep. This has been the Wake the Giant broadcast.